Welcome to the Someone Somewhere podcast. It's Sunday, July 23rd, and I'm your host, Nicole. This is episode five. On today's episode, I want to go over some small steps to give yourself proper hormonal support when getting off of birth control. Now that I'm looking back on it, because I've been off of any hormonal contraceptives for two years now, which I'm really, really happy about, and I'm very happy with the results as well, but I've had a lot of time to reflect on what my time on it was like, and I know hindsight's twenty twenty, right, but I definitely believe that I did not have the same mental clarity during that time, and actually the process of even coming to terms with wanting to get off was really difficult. I remember feeling like I wasn't holding up this feminism that this women's empowerment that I thought that the current reproductive justice realm was, I really trusted that what other women were telling me about this was, you know, a good positive thing for not just me as an individual, but for us as a whole. And when it made me really, really sick, I think I had... I just had a lot of contradictions going on in my head. I I really couldn't come to terms with the fact that it might not work for me. And I suppose I should give some context for people who may be listening to understand where I was coming from and why I I started to get uh, interested in birth control in the first place. And I never was on hormonal contraceptives in high school or for any other medical regulatory reason. I got my period at a normal time and I had pretty consistent period and not what I would call outside of the realm of debilitating pain. I think that we are sort of brainwashed when it comes to menstruation and first of all thinking that there should be pain associated with it. We don't properly ritualize our periods so it's not that I didn't have any pain um, but rather that I thought the pain was normal so I, for all of these reasons, I never asked uh, even my doctor, my pediatrician, or anything like that. And throughout college, I didn't have a single sexual partner that I was monogamous with, so I didn't think it was really necessary, or it never came up in that in that way. So I was able to not even have to worry about hormonal birth control until. I met my current partner and I thought this is the right thing to do. This is kind of exciting in a way to uh, go to the doctor and get this prescription and go on my merry way and have all the sex in the world with this person um, and not have to worry about the consequences. And to me, at the time, it was really kind of an exciting thing to delve into. Of course, that Uh, all went away very quickly when I started taking the first set of pills that I was on, uh, which I believe was orthotricycline, and I immediately got uh, what I would call a horrendous morning sickness or equivalent. I, I threw up every day for the first three months that I took those pills, but, uh, almost immediately the fog that came over me, you know, 
I'm a stubborn person to begin with. And then I had these drugs that were definitely messing with my relationship with myself. And I was not able, I was just like, oh, the doctor said I might have some issues at the beginning, but I know that I'm going to get better. Um, so just give it some time. And I, I did, I, I stopped throwing up every morning, but what got worse and worse was the fact that I gained 16 pounds in a year. Um, when if you were to look at my weight chart from the time I was a kid, I just, it must have been such a sharp spike if I had actually charted it out or gotten my records. But I, it's just out of character for me to gain that much weight in any given year. And that was one thing. And the other thing that really just destroyed me was my emotions. I became massively insecure, which is not something that I had identified with. My anxiety was, again, not something that I strongly identified with or depression. I, Before I ever got on hormonal birth control, I had never contemplated suicide. And um, these things were happening to me. And I was really just being very, very mean to the people that I love, not just my partner, but just anybody around me, people I worked with. I was just not handling things well emotionally, and I was becoming more emotionally detached. And all of this coupled with the fact that I have suffered from chronic migraines for seven years, so that well predates my relationship with birth control, but they were worse. Um, and probably one of the scariest nights of my life was in that first three months when, I, like I said, I was I was doing a lot of puking in that first three months, and I got this migraine overnight that lasted for 12 hours, and I threw up like I had food poisoning, but from this just intense, intense migraine. It's the worst one I've ever had in my life, and it honestly, it, all of these things should have been a sign, but when everyone is telling you that it's the right thing to do, when your friends are encouraging you and society's encouraging you and then your doctor's like, this is totally safe and good, you know, for you and your lifestyle. Of course, I was willing to give it a try. And because I'm so passionate in the things that I do give a try, I really didn't want to give up on this one. And all of that is kind of the context for, um, you know, how birth control really made me very sick and I didn't want to come to terms with it, and I didn't want to deal with it for a good while. I even went to the doctor at six months and was like, I think that I'm going to be, you know, needing another option because this is making me sick. She said, oh, well, we'll give you a dose that is the same every day because your current dosage that you're on goes up a little bit each week and then the the placebo pills so she just said oh you might just need a lower dose and so again I trusted her wrongly and um and it put me through another six months of sickness that I didn't need to go through so I'm kind of speaking this so that people who may be on it now who are experiencing symptoms and it's hard for you to come to terms with it, I can just, I can so totally identify um, and I feel for you and I hope that something in this podcast can inspire you to maybe do something about it because you don't have to live with that and you don't have to live feeling sick and you don't have to live up to anybody else's expectations of you. 
And the last thing that really prevented me from wanting to get off sooner was that I didn't know about fertility awareness. And that lack of knowledge made me feel disempowered. And that disempowerment is what led to me going through such a long time feeling bad before I could start to feel good. And I'm so lucky that I had a friend who gave me the book Taking Charge of Your Fertility by Tony Weschler because without that book, I I wouldn't be where I am now. And I feel like my life has changed dramatically and impactfully and for the better. So all of those things are just, it's really hard for women to decipher what the fuck is going on and to have a real relationship with our bodies and with our fertility. So all of that is the context for why I got on birth control and then why I had to get off and and find a new way. So I want to now go through some of the steps that you can take to be ahead of the game because if you're getting off of hormonal birth control, it's likely that you are going to experience some kind of imbalance and that is well documented in the research that there is a delay in the return to fertility. So your doctor telling you that you will become fertile the next month after you get off is really not a, um, a wise expectation to keep for yourself, um, especially if you are on a short deadline as far as maybe your age um, in regards to fertility. There really is a pretty strict timeline for a lot of women between our career and making a family and making time for all of this and scheduling it. So I would definitely recommend uh, thinking about getting off of birth control a little bit before you you need to. So one of the mistakes I made when I got off of birth control was that I didn't know that there was going to be any period of transition, and that set me up for failure. So I didn't give myself any support. I didn't do anything differently. I was pretty much at my wit's end with birth control, and I went to the doctor, and I wanted to tell her how I was feeling after trying the second prescription for another six months, and I went to her and I said, I am having feelings of depression and anxiety and insecurity, and I it's destroying my relationships and my work and pretty much my whole life, and it, it was that Um, It was that impactful on my life. And so I told her honestly, and she said that if I wanted to try a non-hormonal option, the copper IUD was available to me. And she said, basically, you know, if I'm having emotional problems, I should go to a therapist and not a gynecologist. And that was the moment that I figured out that this was very fucked up in terms of the medical industry and in terms of my health, my my personal well-being, I realized that, that in that moment that she was not advocating for me in any way. So that distrust sowed a seed that made me say, you know what, don't fill out the prescription, I don't want it, and I'm going to figure out another way, and that's exactly what I did. The worst thing about my transition was that I didn't have any resources and I didn't have any education. So I had to start learning this on my own and through some other really great resources that I found. But the first thing that I knew to do was to start tracking my cycle. So I downloaded the Clue app and I just started seeing, okay, how long is my 
cycle going to be and when am I going to get my period? And really that's all I was concerned with. I didn't understand anything else about the menstrual cycle. I just knew, you know, I needed to get my period again because while I was on birth control, it was extremely erratic if there at all. And that's because when you're on birth control, you are not ovulating and therefore you're not getting a period. You're pretty much getting a withdrawal bleed from the lack of drugs during the placebo week. So when you're on birth control, because your hormonal pattern is flattened, there really is no need to get a period at all, not even four times a year or whenever. And that's because you aren't you aren't ovulating. Uh, so the whole placebo week in birth control pills is it's to make it seem like we are still carrying on a normal pattern. But as you can see, most people who are on it for any long-term uh, time, they see either they're getting their period once every 60 days or 90 days, if that, and they might not even be getting it at all because the drugs are suppressing their system that much. So how did I arrive at fertility awareness? That comes in about two months after I got off birth control and I had my first 46-day cycle. I believe my first cycle off was 33 days, which is still longer than my nor normal or is now normal. And then the next month it was 46 days. And obviously uh, around day 35 is when the pregnancy scary feelings start coming in because I'm thinking I just got off birth control and that's it. I'm pregnant. Like, I fucked up. I go to a bar and I cry to my friend and I'm just like, I I don't know what the fuck is happening. My emotions are still wigging out. My skin, when I got off of birth control, broke out in these cystic pimples that I'd never had before. Now my face looks like a mountain range. I'm just all over the place. And so that's when she slipped me the Taking Charge of Your Fertility book and I was like, oh, okay. So this is what's going on. And a big part of the book is the appendix. And it's where sh the brilliant Toni Weschler goes in and she shows women different charts uh, that could explain what a particular fertility issue could be. So I saw that a delay in ovulation was clearly what was happening um, on day... 32 is when I was ovulating when you know ovulation should occur in the second to third week and not the fourth to fifth and so I knew that I was having a delay in ovulation and my cycles were 46 days and then 33 days and then 49 days and that's really what got me that's what got me really motivated to learn more about fertility awareness because I realized that my my chart in terms of, and again, at this time it was very basic. All I had was when I got my period and then when I got my next period. So I didn't, I wasn't tracking any other information at that time, but I did know that the long cycle was not normal. And I knew from before birth control that it also wasn't normal for me. It's not like I had these irregular cycles beforehand. So I saw this as alarming along with weight I had gained and the cystic acne was just so embarrassing and did not look like my face and I was just torn up about it. I knew that my body was telling me that I needed some help and so 
for all of these reasons, I found fertility awareness and started to track my cycle more intimately. And so I recognize that some women will get off birth control in a controlled setting, meaning when they choose to because they want to conceive a child, or others because of the side effects, which are very real, and I can attest to that. And some because we have a healthcare crisis right now, and we know this, and we know that people are getting kicked off their insurance, or that birth control is just becoming so expensive that you might not be able to afford it month to month, or you might be able to afford it some months and not others. And again, that's not how our bodies work. We can't take these intense drugs and then withdraw from them and have no support. So I started the hashtag fertility awareness method taught me, or as it is written, fam taught me, to tell you that you don't need insurance companies or pharmaceutical corporations or even your doctor to feel like you understand your fertility and to feel confidence in your fertility. So confidence to know when you are fertile, when you are not, when you want to become pregnant, and when you don't. And to me, that's the most grassroots way of approaching fertility. I don't have to get my fertility or infertility from anywhere other than the documentation that I'm recording about my body. So I personally, through what I've been through, I don't think it's wise to get off birth control with no regimen to help your body through this transition. You've been taking a steroid hormone, which is a xenoestrogen. It's a synthetic estrogen that you are taking. And it is been pumped through your body at this consistent rate. And it's clearly from the way that you've been bleeding or not bleeding, you can tell that things are, your body is functioning differently. And it has to, your hormonal pattern really has to be suppressed in order for these drugs to do what the drugs are intended to do. So when you're getting off of it, you're going to see maybe not just a delay in your fertility, but also some other symptoms. Like for, for me, it was the acne and intense mood swings. And for you, it might be something different. For you, you might not get your period back for four months. I, I've heard women who it's been years. And I just hope that you can take steps before you choose to get off. So again, you're more prepared and your body is more prepared. The most unprepared thing that happened to me was feelings of tiredness. I have always been a very active person. I biked all the way through college and I lived three miles from school. So I was in great shape before all of this and I had a really good metabolism and I just noticed that when I got off of birth control, I was so damn tired. And I couldn't figure out why I was feeling sluggish, especially in the morning. And so all of this is going to tie back in because I didn't realize that that was even a possibility that my thyroid or my metabolism would be connected to my fertility. And I know now that uh, they're very connected and that I was not just suffering from the withdrawal from the drugs, but I was suffering a hormone imbalance that was showing up in my skin and showing up in my emotions and showing up in all of these different places, showing up in my moods and my, my tiredness, my uh, ambition. So 
all of these things, again, are not explained to us, and you really need support at this time when you're choosing to get off, or especially if you're not choosing, I think there is some damage control that has to be done to prevent issues later, and I'm saying this two years into my healing and I wouldn't say that I'm 100% healed and back to the state that I was in before I ever tried hormonal birth control. And I often think about what it would have been like if I had had this information before I ever got on it. Um, if I had had the information that I have now, things would be a lot different. And I think about my relationship and how that would have been different in the first year if I had been able to live in peace and in clarity and so I'm going to go through some steps that I took to help my body through and some of these things I found out four to six months after I got off so there was a delay in my healing because I had to get the education but again it, it's ideal if you prepare for all of this before you actually get off and I've done this with friends and some acquaintances online who I'm trying to help transition. And they're doing, their recovery is faster and they seem to be doing a lot better faster because they are taking the regimen right from the outset. So this is what I recommend. My first suggestion is about time. If you haven't started yet, go ahead and start tracking your cycle. It's your fifth vital sign. It really can tell you all of this information about your body, your vitality. And I discussed this in the very first episode called Fertility Awareness Basics. So if you want to learn the method, you can go ahead and listen to that one. And it will tell you about some of the other parts of charting that don't directly have to do with fertility, but definitely have to do with our overall health and well-being. So I think that you should give yourself a soft period of three to six months to see any of the lifestyle changes that you're making reflected in your charts. It really is a slow process and it does take a commitment to get to this place. But be patient with yourself because as you take that time, the results will come because there is power in the regimen and there is power in the power of the plants and the herbalism side to healing, the diet side to healing. It's all a very powerful thing if you just let it. So the first... Thing is all about time and just my emotions were so wretched during the period of transition I just want women who want to get better faster to understand that the time is really important and the meditation is really important so definitely ponder that when you are going through probably a lot of stormy emotions and the second suggestion is about diet. Of course, you guys know I'm a farmer, and I believe that eating is very central to living well and to healing, especially at this time. And so the herbs that I'm going to suggest won't necessarily be helpful to you without a supportive diet. So the diet is the cornerstone, and then the herbal supplements are really what they say they are. They're supplements to help push you and push your body into a place where it can get better faster and it can respond faster to the imbalances. So I went to an herbalist who helped me a lot, and she sat me down and basically told me I was pre-diabetic, the, the diet that I was eating, which is... 
a lot of carbs and pastas and like breakfast foods and things like that. She had me fill out this chart where I circled all the things that I would eat versus the things that I wouldn't. And she, yeah, she just said your chart leans way too far to the grains, um, which are all breaking down into sugars, which are causing lots of imbalance and inflammation and you already have issues with migraines so inflammation is not good for you that's the basis of your migraines so she told me you know you need to change your diet and I listened to her she told me that proteins were very important whether they are animal or plant-based fish especially because of the mineral content and iodine and these other minerals that are really important for our thyroid and for our adrenal system. She told me deep green vegetables have to be pretty much with every meal to start out and uh, nuts and seeds are all going to help feed the body and she suggested that I stay away from foods that are have high glycemic index levels and so those include things like white rice, uh, juice, Uh, white potato, pasta, any kinds of refined sugars or processed foods. So really focusing on eating whole foods. So when I wanted something sweet, because I do like sweet things, I would eat some fruit. I would find a way to work new ingredients into my diet. So instead of eating pancakes for breakfast, we started having beans and quinoa and greens for breakfast and I did learn because you can make it delicious I did learn to to really like it and now I feel better when I eat this way so she also told me that restricting my diet would fail so I probably shouldn't go that route and again I listened to her she recommended this method of incorporation so making simple rules for yourself like try to eat greens with every meal or if you are going to eat white rice eat double the amount of greens in the same meal so those were the general suggestions I ate animal proteins I ate plant proteins and I really stayed away from grains and carbs as much as I could and sugars and that uh, was a regimen that carried over and is kind of just something that I have incorporated into my life now two years later as a whole as a way of eating so I'm very thankful for that conversation that I had with that herbalist because she helped me a lot and the the diet of course is specialized to you and the way that you eat but the general guideline for a diet that can help your adrenals recover is one where you don't have a lot of inflammation The next section for healing is the herbs and these I could just talk about all day because the supplements really helped me heal and before you begin using these herbal supplements try to ease them into your diet one at a time because it's possible that you could have allergies or side effects. Again, we underestimate how powerful plants are and that they are really powerful medicines. So isolating them is how you can figure out what's working for you and what's not. So really take it slow when you start to integrate these things. But the first herb is called Vitex. And Vitex herb supports the pituitary gland, which is like a switchboard for the rest of your hormone production. And it's going to be directing the rest of your adrenal system what to do. 
So Vitex increases progesterone if it is low. Um, if you have a normal amount of progesterone, it, it just helps regulate your body in general. But it brings your body back into a regular menstrual pattern, and that's what Vitex is known for. So the global average for a period is 29 days, and it could fluctuate, of course, by a few days. But to to bring it back to my first couple cycles, a 46-day and a 49-day cycle are considered irregular. Um, and so I was really focused on getting my menstruation back to a 29-day cycle, and Vitex helped me do that. And not only that, but Vitex really helped my PMS, and so it's something that you, it's very light as far as an herb, so you can take it year-round or take it just during the last half of your cycle or before you get your period if you want to help eliminate some cramping and some some negativity during uh, your premenstrual week. I started taking one pill twice daily. So, of course, read the label on your Vitex and take it as directed, but I started with a, I guess what you could call an aggressive dose um, to really help push myself because, like I said, I could see in my charts that my, my cycles were off. So the second herb that I started to take is an herb called Dongkwai. It's a Chinese angelica root, and it's another really great herb. It's considered one of the ultimate herbs for women's health. Um, it's a liver tonic, and it strengthens the heart, the lungs, the spleen, and the kidneys. So this is important because you need your filtration system to get a lot of these excess hormones out of the body or toxins out of the body. Part of my recovery with my migraines as well, it has a lot to do with strengthening my liver and really getting rid of any toxins that might be causing the inflammation because they tend to stick around and they also stick around in your fat cells. So as I was losing weight and I was really just like sweating it all out and Don Kwai helps you, helps you do that. And Don Kwai also increases libido and assists in regulating the cycle. So um, it, it's just overall another really good herb to help push your body back into balance and, uh, and it certainly helped me and I took my Don Kwai and Vitex every day for almost six months. So I... I wanted to see the results, and I did. Within four months, I saw my cycle go back to 29 days and then stay that way for basically a year and a half now uh, since my cycles have been regular again. So I was able to see it in the charts, and that's probably the most satisfying part that when you start charting and then you do the regimen, you see your charts all messed up, and then you see your body actually respond. And Hopefully this correlates with you feeling better. That's what the ideal uh, situation would be. And the last wonderful herb is an herb called ashwagandha. This is an amazing herb for adrenal rejuvenation. It helps the thyroid, and um, the thyroid's important for all of your thyroid hormones and also to regulate your metabolism and a lot of the tiredness that I was feeling was coming from a slow thyroid which is as I mentioned in the first podcast something you can see when you start to take your waking temperature. I only learned I had a slow thyroid after I began charting so that has seemingly nothing to do with fertility but there was a connection between the 
delayed ovulation and these feelings of fatigue. So really you have to think of your body as one whole body with many systems that are interrelated and interlocking. So ashwagandha is great because it helps regulate your thyroid and it's also an adaptogen. So it's particularly used to help people overcome adrenal fatigue. Um, and that's something that you're likely experiencing if you're withdrawing from the drugs, some to a lesser degree than others. But for me, it was definitely marked and I was really confused why at 23 I would be feeling so tired and reclusive and like I said I was also going through all these emotional issues where depression was involved and so that also slows you down and it just it was it was a very dark time so ashwagandha can help you with all of these things but I again to bring bring it back to the allergies I started taking ashwagandha and within the first week my hands and my feet were just incredibly itchy and so I knew that I was allergic and uh, and you may be too although it's not common to be allergic to these herbs but it is possible so just pay attention through journaling and using your tracking app and filling out some of the tagging information or the notes section and putting this stuff in so that you're you're keeping track of your herbalism and an extension of herbalism is herbal infusion or in short drinking tea and tea is important to helping get your body the nutrients that it needs. And this is something that I also didn't know the power of at the time. And I'm still using this blend to make tea for myself. So I make tea from stinging nettles, raspberry leaves, and lemon balm. And all three of these are chock full of vitamins that feed the adrenal system. And they include things like magnesium, potassium, iron, vitamins A, B, and C, antioxidants, and more. And uh, I just basically make a large pot and keep it in the fridge, and I've been drinking it like water for months and months. And uh, I'm talking about like three to four cups a day. Don't just pour the water over the herbs. You're actually going to want the herbs to be steeping in it, and then you're going to strain as you, as you drink it. So you want to give the plants enough time to infuse the water with all of these nutrients. And again, you're just really focused on, you should be drinking a lot of water and you should be hydrating, but go the extra step by infusing the water with herbs. And you're also going to be able to drink in these nutrients. And you're really just focused on feeding your body and giving your body the strength it needs to get back into balance and to help your re fertility return to normal. And the last section I want to talk about is stress. I did some other things like making going to the gym a habit, which was new to me, um, stretching and doing yoga, meditating, uh, trying to journal or make art, just doing things that make you happy. I felt this big weight lift when I got off of birth control and it took a while to start feeling better physically and also emotionally as well. So anything that you can do to manage your stress better, which is already something that I find extremely difficult in regular life. So during that time, it really was hard on me and I had this brain fog that I just couldn't shake for a while. And that is part of the withdrawal process. And again, not really something that physicians are going to tell you. So I feel like it's my job to tell others that I experienced this and that it is real and that there are other people who have experienced it too. 
So you can be at peace with knowing that you're on the road to recovery because you've recognized that there is something wrong and that you're trying to fix it. So if you can prepare for some or all of these eventualities uh, before you get off of birth control, your recovery really will be easier and faster and you'll see your body bounce back and depending on how long you were on it and how young you are or healthy you are, it might be faster or slower. But in general, all of these suggestions are kind of good for you anyway and none of them are going to hurt you. They're only going to help you. So the least you can do is start integrating in one or two or all of these um, as a regimen as much as you can uh, to see your body bounce back and to avoid any of the side effects. Like that acne was really terrible and I could have avoided it if I had known about this regimen earlier. So one last thing that I want to say, and uh, I've had this happen to a few people now that are in my life, and um, the copper IUD, like I said, my doctor told me that it was the non-hormonal option and it's something that is regurgitated by most doctors and it's a, make, what makes it attractive to some women because they do believe that the hormones are affecting them negatively. And so uh, if you use the copper IUD, your body is still aware that there is an object in your cervix. As you know from the first fertility awareness episode, your cervix moves up and down inside of your body um, in response to ovulation. So it's an active organ. It's not a passive organ. It's not an organ that's just there uh, and it the sperm passes through it. It's, it's opening and closing every month. So it knows that there is an object in there and it's actually created it's created a disruption so that you can't get pregnant but to say that there are no side effects from using it is inaccurate and if you look up a copper IUD even though it's non-hormonal, it does have side effects and um, I would definitely still recommend giving yourself the support just in case. Uh, because it's likely that your body is still going to experience some sort of disruption, maybe not as drastic of a withdrawal as hormonal birth control, but certainly some of the symptoms will be present because uh, it has been removed. And so give yourself some support just in case uh, that happens to be you. I, I hope that this regimen can help you or at least give you a basic guide and feel free to contact me and ask me any questions that you have. This is just the regimen that worked for me. There's so much literature on it and um, I would definitely check out some resources related to fertility awareness, related to Ayurvedic healing and herbalism and there is something that you can find that works for you. So with that said, I hope that you enjoyed this podcast and you guys got to hear a little bit about my pill story as the hashtag goes and why I chose to go in a different route and in a different path. And I'm really so happy with my decision and the regimen that I created for myself in this transition ended up becoming a lifestyle choice in the end, uh, something that I'm carrying out in my life because it is good for me in general. So it has, you know, many advantages in that sense. So I hope you enjoy it.
Thanks for listening. If you like the show, share it with someone who could use the information. This concludes episode five of the Someone Somewhere podcast. We'll see you next time.